Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. I'm your host, the Crypto Coach, Blockchain Wayne. Today we're joined by Slater from Blueberry. Slater, uh, glad to have you on today, man. Exciting day. Actually, day of recording is, is you guys launch, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a few sleepless nights in the past, so you'll have to excuse me if uh, my eyes are looking a little bit tired. But super excited to be talking to you, man. Really looking forward to. Oh being man, here. that's that's part of working in Web three, man. You have to you have, to have the bloodshot, tired eyes to. If not, you're not really working, right? <laughs> yeah, agreed. You're not trying. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, man, I definitely want to find out more about Blueberry and what's going on there and what your your dev shop has done to uh, to launch that. But before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about your background, man. Maybe what you've done before jumping into this space and what you're doing, what you've done since. Yeah, for sure. So I got kind of an unusual background. I mean, I guess there's really not a traditional background in crypto, except maybe the finance track. But uh, but yeah, I actually started off in the ag commodity space. So my family office was kind of a big ag commodities trader and processor. So I kind of grew up around that world and uh, was trading boring stuff like wheat, corn, and rice from a pretty young age. Um, you know, looking at looking at weather reports, seeing seeing how the next harvest was going to go. Wasn't very good at it at the time, but it definitely got me interested in markets uh, very early on. And uh, then out of college, worked at those trading desks a bit, and eventually started my own first company with one of the larger scale cannabis operations uh, when cannabis was first legalized in California. Um, so ran that business for a few years, and then uh, around 2020 late 2020, uh, got out of it and basically took all the money I'd made in my career and put it into a DeFi fund. I really couldn't stop thinking about DeFi since like 2017. It's probably spending more time there than I should while doing other stuff. Um, but, uh, but still didn't necessarily feel like I had the technical chops or understanding of the market, like really what the right founder entry point was, right? So took my own money, a little bit of family and friends and put it into a fund called Zero One Capital and just did DeFi trades and, and use different protocols from 2020 to 2022. Uh, in 2022, it felt like it was fairly obvious the bear market was starting to hit and it might be good timing to start building an ambitious protocol that would be like a year plus build out uh, that would really, really do something new in the space was always the intention. Uh, so put together a team and, and we got started in about March 2022 been building for almost two years now and, and finally kind of ready to launch our, our full suite of products. We, we did launch an MVP a few months ago for a kind of sub product that we'll get into. But uh, but yeah, the main launch of, of the Blueberry protocol is actually today, like you mentioned. And so, yeah, super excited to finally be getting it out there in the world. And uh, that's that's kind of how I ended up here. Nice, man. So, the, you know, the mantra out there is bear markets for builders. So you took that and was like, let's plan it to build <laughs> during the bear, right? I saw that tweet enough times. I was like, all right, I'm just going to take it literally. <laughs> That's good. You know, and a lot of people don't think about that. They, they see these projects that emerge uh, really when the market's hot. That's when it's going to get attention. Um, but it takes a lot of faith and a lot of uh, belief to say, all right, you know, uh, prices may be going here, but we're, you know, we're going to build for, for the future. And that, that's exciting to see, man. That was kind of my take when I got into the space in 2016, but it was really... 2018 that solidified it for me because I was out there trying to see, okay, what is everybody building in 2018? Because that was going to tell me, was this a fad? Was I duped in 2016, 2017, or is this for real? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said there wasn't, a, there weren't a few moments of, of wavering faith, right? You mm -hmm. know, like I was there for 2018, 2019 bear market. I was on the Twitter the entire time. And, and you know, you, you saw all the, all the platitudes about remaining faithful, et cetera, building through the bear market. But, but there was something about this last bear market that, you know, I, it, it, it was, felt like we really, 
had these first signs of product market fit and real products with DeFi. And I really thought this was just going to be the inflection point. The industry was going to keep going up. We're going to keep finding real use cases. Um, I think a lot of people thought that, right? And, 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 uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, 2022 hits and we obviously, all the biggest players, all the darlings of the industry, not all of them, but yeah. many turned out to be fraudulent. Man, it was it was tough, and uh, yeah, we we uh, we almost uh, almost ran out of money a few times, but we we're able to we we're able to raise money at the right times and and, and push through. And uh, very glad we did. It's crazy how resilient this market and, and its community are. It just proves itself over and over. Yeah, again. absolutely. I mean, there was uh, if you think about twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. I mean, there was it was like Black Swan event after Black Swan event. It was like, okay, what's what's next? And I think it eventually got to a point of exhaustion where it was like. I don't think anything else would really shake it down anymore. Uh, and that's when we saw, as of right now, it's you know looking like to have been the bottom. Uh, so Right. And that's actually uh, right after November 22, December 2022, was when we raised our first round. So it was like the worst timing possible. <laughs> we are just eventually able to get it done. But yeah, it was it was scary there for a second, for sure. But it was yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Was the bottom. Yeah. All right, Slater. So tell us a little bit about... Um, I definitely want to dive into all the intricacies of, of Blueberry, but what was the, the purpose behind it? Obviously, there's a lot of DeFi products on the market. Uh, you know, a lot of them have, have been tested. Some have been exploited. Um, but what what made you decide to to launch Blueberry and what, what's going to make it different? Yeah, so obviously, coming from the ag commodities trading world, you basically have every sophisticated financial instrument for hedging or speculation that you could possibly want, right? And uh, coming into the DeFi world and, and running a DeFi fund, I I loved all these trades where you could really stack all the building blocks on top of each other, right? And maybe combine five or six protocols and be earning rewards and yields at every step, arbitraging the rates, et cetera, um, and, and, and stack things on top of each other. And, and I really, think that's what makes DeFi unique, right? Like that composability, that ability, that ability to customize and, and, and put Legos on top of each other. Um, but the interface that really people prefer to interact with, people love leverage in this space, right? So it's generally always centralized exchanges. However, there is this full suite of DeFi products that are available that you can't really access with leverage, right? And like typically that would be the role of a prime broker in, in traditional markets, right? Where, where you could really customize any trade that you want. They'll tell you the right parameters that they can, they can lend to you at, lend to you at. Um, and, uh, and then you could really put on any, any trade in the world, right? But it's not really available in the context of DeFi to this point. There have been a number of protocols like market themselves as prime brokers, but, uh, but in my view, the, the real definition for prime broker is that customization and that generalization, right? Where, like you can do the whole suite of things that you can do in DeFi. And you can have a lending market that powers that and understands the proper risk parameters for whatever that action or set of actions that you want to do with the borrowed money is. So that's kind of the design of Blueberry from a kind of first principles perspective is first understanding the intention of the borrower. Where is the money going? What's the trade they're putting on? Whether that's just doing something as simple as buying ETH or leverage farming or combining three or four protocols together. What's the entire risk profile of the trade? Then what are the collateral and debt assets? Put that all together and, and spit out a unique set of risk parameters for that specific trade, uh, which is really kind of how prime brokerage models should work. I um, mean, so we've had a, a few experiments in a similar vein, but generally they all kind of pool risk together, right? Like you can loop on Aave. Um, there's been a few 
somewhat similar products in the last year or so that use account-based systems where you could lever everything in the account 10x. But if you're generalizing like that and pooling risk that way, you really have to limit yourself in the scope of things that you can offer on the platform. So the idea of Blueberry is let's take the steps, let's let's build in that complexity to the architecture. And so we can truly support anything in DeFi um, in, in, in its unique risk profile for all aspects of that trade. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of got into the product a little bit there. Oh, good. Sorry, I went a little too far. Hopefully it answers the question. Yeah, yeah, all good. No, no, absolutely. And I definitely want to dive into that um, in it more in a second, but um, back to your launch, you know, you're right. You launched pretty much at the, the bare bottom, I mean, not launched, but uh, funded. You started raising right at the bottom of the market. So you started raising then, and I noticed from the site, you've got some um, investors, strategic partners. So what was that process like? Just because just I know there's some people that listen to this that may be thinking about launching products or building products. Um, just to start your raise right after, uh, I know you said it took a while to get it done, but just to start that raise right, right after pretty much the, the bottom of the market. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tough and, uh, and, uh, it's, it's easy to lose faith at some points. And, and I'll also say that I think this industry can be quite clicky, right. And, and that like in general, even, even a lot of the bigger investors, Everyone is still trying to figure out where the space is going and what the best pieces of product market fit are uh, across the market, what the next steps are. No one really knows, right? And so in general, there's a tendency to like bet on people with a background. I mean, that's, that's true in every industry, right? Like in Web2, uh -huh. Facebook employee to startup founders, like the main track, right? Or Google employee to startup founder. Um, so trying to break in is definitely a little bit difficult, but... Uh, but the more it kind of gets into the strategic partnerships that you mentioned is we knew we had this architecture that could enable unique uh, things that were not possible before in DeFi. And so we went to some of those partners that are mentioned on the website and said, hey, we can make this specific thing possible that improves your unit economics for your protocol, for, for your stablecoin peg maintenance, or improves your cost of liquidity for your volatile token and found just really specific use cases that we knew could provide value to those partners. And built on that in order to get uh, investors into the rounds. Uh, but even then, yeah, it's it's a difficult process, and and, and you're going to get a lot of no's, you know, and, and you just got to keep going uh, and, and believe in yourself, believe in it, and eventually, as long as what you're doing actually does objectively have some value, you'll, you'll get it done. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what people need to hear. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of rejection when it comes to raising. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's a lot easier to, to raise in, in a bull market when everybody's just throwing money at everything. Right. But also at the same time, uh, would you agree that you have to be just as picky as different investment firms and VC funds and everything as picky as they can be about what they're put investing in? You have to be picky about what investors you take in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true to an extent. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money in this space that it, you know, is, is very much playing short-term games and, and it's much easier to do that in crypto because there's a little bit less of, you know, like in web two, there's very, a very centralized space of people that are all in kind of the same networks and, and, and know each other where reputation is very important. And reputation is still of course important in this space, but people can get away with a lot more. So right. you definitely have to be careful about who you let on your cap table. Um, and, and I think it could be, 
it's generally pretty easy to tell when like the only thing they care about is like, oh, let's get the vesting terms down to three months or six months. Like, no, you're asking me to take crazy amount of regulatory risk. Um, and it's clear that your only interest here is to, to dump the token and you don't actually believe in this long term. But yeah, it's definitely something you got to be careful of. But I will say the large majority of the funds that we spoke with um, that at least have some kind of social presence generally generally looked at things even if they didn't agree with our thesis, right? Generally, I don't, I don't think had bad intentions or anything gotcha. like that. And I, I think most most would be suitable investors um, in, in general. Nice, nice. All right, so let, let's jump into talking a, you know, more about Blueberry, right? One thing, and you can probably tell us a lot more, but one thing that stuck out to me um, navigating the site and seeing, you know, obviously it's not, it wasn't live yet, right? So I'm looking at uh, examples or demos or kind of just showing what the UI is going to look like. Um, it seems to be, I mean, really a big focus on simplicity, uh, ease of use. Is that Was that a big part of what you guys were looking to accomplish when you were building it as well? Yeah, for sure. And so I definitely wanted to build a product that uh, feels familiar, you know, to, to what your experience might be on, and especially for the younger generation on, on like Web2 apps like Robinhood or whatever it is. I mean, it's definitely not like full on Robinhood. You definitely have to understand DeFi to be able to know what you're doing on Blueberry. But um, but uh, adding things like having a live PL, right? Like, I think there's this general sense of, of everybody's so smart in DeFi. They have their own tracking tools, et cetera. You don't need to build things into the UX. Um, that really kind of leaves the middle user behind, right? Like that does understand what's going on in the space, but doesn't have all this advanced tooling to use personally. Um, and and also like, even if you're running a super sophisticated hedge fund, it's pretty nice to be able to just see a live p &L yeah. on your position, you know, and not have to have five different tools at once. Um, and I, I also think there's an argument that features like that didn't exist in the last cycle right. because nothing was really all that profitable. <laughs> and, and it uh, might've been, might have been bad for user acquisition or retention, right? Like a lot of things just went down only once the DeFi game was figured yeah. out. But I think the benefit of this cycle is we have things like staking, we have things like restaking coming down the pike. We have things like real world assets that are generating real sustainable yields. And then we have the incentive layers on top starting to come back where it's, I think it's actually going to be super profitable for a while to be doing things like like leverage farming. Um, so so maybe maybe other teams will start to follow that lead and, and, and implement features like that a little bit more. And then, yeah, doing things like segmenting the trades between delta neutral trades or whether you're going long or short and displaying all the different components, it might still be overwhelming to some newer users. But, uh, but yeah, just trying to give as much information as we possibly can uh, so people can make good decisions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I have to concur if I, uh, I think back to, was it what, 2018, 2019, I think when I, I was playing around with a lot of different DeFi protocols. I couldn't tell you today if it was profitable or not with all that, you know, there were so many other moving pieces and, and yeah, it's right. It's kind of hard to, to track that. Uh, I know my accountant, especially with all the impermanent loss. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, my accountant just had a dumbfounded look on his face and I was like, that's what I think. Right. <laughs> cool. So what, um, you know, reading, I was reading through the platform and I saw a term that really caught my eye that I, that I wrote down. I wanted to ask about, uh, but it says using position NFTs. What does that mean? For sure. So people will hear the term under collateralized lending, right? And it immediately sounds scary. And there's two different types of under collateralized lending, to be fair. One is like credit, right? Where you're just trusting a person to pay back the money. And to be very clear, 
that is not what we're doing right. here. The, the other type of under collateralized lending, right, is, is you're borrowing more than the collateral that you're supplying. But like a trading app, like a Binance, like an FTX, you're then using that money in the context of the platform's integrations. And we wanted to recreate that kind of user experience, but in a non-custodial decentralized mm -hmm. format, right? Because when you have to rely on a centralized company, things like FTX might happen, sure. significant counterparty risk. And that's kind of the idea of DeFi is how can we rebuild these systems without that counterparty risk instead relying on code-based rules, right? So uh, position NFTs are, are built to accomplish that goal. It's a fairly simple concept. So when you really break it down, so all it's doing is when you select a trade and your collateral and debt assets, it'll tell you what your maximum borrow limit is, um, both in terms of dollar value and, and, uh, and also as a loan to value ratio, um, a leverage ratio. Um, and then the position NFT, once you create that position, just basically locks up the collateral that you provided, the debt that you borrowed, and the deployed position into an NFT that is both non-custodial, but also non-transferable, right? So you can't go on Blueberry, provide a thousand bucks of collateral, borrow $20,000 and just leave, right? Like you have to use the $20,000 to do something on the platform. Mm -hmm. Once you do that thing, it's in a non-custodial NFT. You can close and claim the position's P&L, um, um, or you can add it, edit, edit collateral, edit the position in whatever way that you want, but you can't just run off with the money. So just achieving non-custodial leverage in a generalized way uh, where we're not creating counterparty risk, but can still keep the lender safe on the platform. People can't just take the money and run. Awesome. Oh, I mean, that's very interesting. I, that was that was one of the topics that I wanted to really touch on. I'm a big fan of utility within the non-fungible token space and all the different things it can do. And I have to say, this is, that's one of the first I've heard of that. You know that that concept, and that, that's what I love about this technology. You're constantly seeing how it can be used, and and you basically took that was a risk problem, um, moving into DeFi and, and figured out a way to make it to where it's feasible to to operate. So that's that's very I think that that's a, that's a very um, very interesting you know approach to it that I most most of us probably never would have thought of. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think NFTs. I never really saw the vision for profile picture NFTs, sure. right? But as a system of assigning unique information to certain wallet addresses, mm -hmm. the use cases are like infinite, right. right? So it's definitely definitely good to show one of those use cases. I think it's. There's a few other, there's, there's a good amount of other projects that have used NFTs in similar ways, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's just the beginning there and definitely can't wait to see what continues to develop. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I'm going to add that to my, uh, and when I give talks, I talk about all the different ways NFTs can be utilized. And I think now I'm going to add that to the list, um, because that, that's, that's a great use case. Uh, so as we move on, we, we talked about, you guys are launching today, the day of recording, obviously this is coming out, uh, you know, a few weeks after we recorded. Uh, but what, what per se was the, um, the strategy? Like, were you building a user base as well over, over, over the recent time as you approach your launch? Uh, what, what were those steps to take it to market? Yeah. So, uh, we, uh, we initially planned to launch in the middle of last year. Um, and, uh, we did, excuse me, just a bit of like a, uh, uh, early adopter campaign where you've seen, probably seen these around on Twitter, like you can put in your address and, uh, 
and send a tweet and say, hey, I'm an early adopter for this platform. You're one of the early adopters of that early adopter system mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, generated a good amount of buzz in the very early days from that. And then kind of went quiet, went back into stealth mode to develop the rest of the products. Um, and, uh, and now that we're getting a little bit closer to launch, I've been working with Scribe, mm -hmm. which is a great content firm just to, I, I can get a little bit of pie in the sky with, with, with my writing sometimes, or even two in the weeds, the opposite, right? And they've done a really good job just kind of cleaning up the messaging and, and making it easy for users to understand. Um, and then we actually just did finishing up a Zealy sprint today. Um, and, and then the, the biggest piece of the launch go to market is around uh, the lock drop, which will be starting today, um, where you can lend assets and receive kind of on paper tokens for BLB. Um, and the earlier, the way that BLB rewards work, it's kind of like an option where you have to, you have to accelerate your vest if you'd like to, uh, once you receive the tokens. And so the earlier that you choose to lend liquidity to the platform, uh, the lower of an acceleration fee that you receive when the token launches. So it's kind of a fair way to reward the users who are just objectively taking the most smart contract risk, right? Like the longer a user, the longer a protocol lives, the, the more trustworthy it is. So we tried to be kind of innovative in that mechanism and create a really fair way to distribute ownership of the governance tokens uh, to the earliest users taking the, more, the most risk and kind of taper that off over time. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be a big draw for users and the ones that like to interact early on. And then, uh, and then the partnerships that you mentioned earlier, I think are going to be a big part of the launch as well. Awesome. And so BLB, uh, I take it from the conversation, that's going to be the governance token, the, the native token to the Blueberry uh, platform. Correct. Awesome. Correct. Or ecosystem, should I say ecosystem, right? Um, so as of today, what can users go in now? If someone says, um, we'll go into like different scale of what type of users, but say your average user that's a, familiar with DeFi, has done some lending and borrowing in the past, possibly. Um, you know, what, what, what tokens can they use? What can they do right now to interact with Blueberry? Yeah, for sure. So within the lock drop, I think we'll have one of the most like unique and broad sets of uh, collateral assets or lending lending market assets to start with. So it'll be uh, all the majors, right? Like DAI, USDC, um, Frax, Ethereum, Rep Bitcoin, um, We'll actually have CRV USD on there as well, which is one I'm excited about. A lot of new interesting strategies to be done with that one. And then we'll have a few different kind of like mid-cap altcoins. So ALCX, the Alchemics mm -hmm. Governance Token, uh, they've been a really great partner of ours and doing some interesting strategies around that token. Um, within the next month or two, we'll actually also support their AL assets, which are like the debt assets on, uh, on Alchemics, which I think is pretty underexplored. I'm excited about mm. those strategies as well. And then we support... CRV, BAL, and uh, I might be forgetting some, but yeah, they'll, they'll all be on the website if you want to if you want to check out those different opportunities. Um, so that's on the lending market side. Then on the borrowing and strategy side, probably the easiest way to interact with it as a borrower, like like I'd say generally, if you're a, a, a fairly new user, the lending side is probably the more uh, logical part to interact with, right? Like just lend single-sided assets, earn some interest in rewards. Right. If you want to, if you if you understand how to manage your risk a little bit more, and you want to participate in the borrow side, probably the simplest uh, available type of strategy is just going long or short with leverage, right? Just to 
uh, non-custodial way to access spot leverage. Nice. And the cool thing is you can trade the yielding asset, right? So if you want to borrow USDC and then purchase Ethereum just to go leverage long Ethereum, instead you could purchase wrap staked Ethereum or staked Frax Ethereum, right? And uh, earn that yields while you're having the, the leverage exposure to the Delta that, that you wanted. Um, so that's probably the simplest way you go long or short. Um, and then we have a number of different integrations for launch that we're really excited about. The first and foremost is going to be the Curve and Convex ecosystem, including the Frax Convex layer on top. So a bunch of really awesome pools there that you can lever up on uh, Delta Neutral, long or short. Um, and then a Redacted Cartel just launched uh, their PXETH products, which is the highest yielding LST at the moment. We will have the highest uh, available leverage for Delta Neutral, uh, basically looping that trade. So you can borrow Ethereum and, uh, and purchase PXETH and uh, lever that up 20x, which I think will be a, a very popular trade for a while. Um, then we'll have, we'll support the Aura Balancer ecosystem and then Raw Balancer as well. And, and then last but not least, uh, we have kind of a permissionless RWA sister protocol called uh, StakeUp. And uh, it's built on top of this primitive called Bloom that allows you to lend to market makers over collateralized by treasury bills. So it's a permissionless corporate loan, but it's over collateralized by treasuries. So you're kind of carrying over that same risk profile. You, you earn a little bit less interest, but it's still probably the lowest risk source of a USDC yield because of that. So there'll be some strategies on Blueberry where you could lever up those rates against the rates on Blueberry as well um, and, and just take some super low risk uh, delta neutral trades in that way too so i, I kind of said a lot yeah. there but yeah it'll, it'll 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 all be live on the ui as well yeah awesome and you know those of you may be listening some of those terms may sound like something you're not aware of that this is a time to learn right and it seems like they could go in there um, they can check it out they can learn uh different aspects and yeah, i think people understand the you know the long and the short or, or just basically lending and earning earning a basically passive income. Uh, so there's a lot of things there. And it sounds like a lot of what you guys have built, uh, it's a perfect timing, right? Because if you'd have built something like this in 2018, 2019, there probably wouldn't have been enough, I don't want to say interest, but probably enough because um, you're tapping into a whole a, a bunch of different ecosystems that allow you to create this, uh, you know, create the whole, the whole ecosystem here. Right, yeah, it definitely needs to be built on top of an existing ecosystem. So it needs a fairly mature ecosystem. Yeah, we like we'd love to deploy on all the <laughs> yeah. all the L2s right away, but but uh it is gonna be on just Ethereum to start because it's just so much more developed than the other networks, right? And and so you can kinda combine things and, and make interesting trades out of it. Yeah. Awesome. Slater, so man, as we wrap up, it's been a pleasure finding out more about what you guys are doing over at Blueberry. But can you share with everybody where they can follow and find out more about what you guys are doing? Of course, yeah, almost said Twitter again. X uh, is, is probably our most used platform. It's uh, just Blueberry FDN, stands for foundation. That's our at, um, we post very frequent updates on there. And then uh, if you wanna get involved, so the Zealy is ending today. Actually, I think it already ended before this interview. Uh, but if you wanna get involved on the, the protocol itself, the website is blueberry.garden. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, there will be a Galaxy campaign going live shortly nice. too. Last thing is our Discord. It's just discord.gg slash blueberry. Easy to remember. Uh, pretty much always available in there. Uh, 
Some super busy weeks, happy to answer questions or like discuss anything with everybody. We definitely try to keep a pretty open forum in general. So yeah, love for you guys to reach out and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be around. Awesome. Awesome. Now also have the links and everything shared in the comments. So whether you're watching the video or listen to the audio podcast, you can also find those links, uh, in the comment section as well. So Slater, man, it's been, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, finding out more about Blueberry. Blueberry. I'm excited to check it out and see what can be done and, and kind of, Try it. I'm the type of, you know, new plat, you know, you talk about a launch that to me, that's like new tech. I get to go, I want to go play with it. I want to go test it out, try it out, give it a test drive. So, uh, definitely looking forward to that. Any, um, any final thoughts or final words before we wrap up? I think, uh, we're pretty focused on the launch today. So I apologize if I'm a little distracted. Oh, good. This has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate the platform and, uh, and uh, the good questions, awesome. you know, they're really diving into it. So. Awesome. Yeah, well, I, I definitely enjoyed learning more about what you guys are doing. Uh, excited to find out more. So thanks again for joining us today, Slater. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care, Wayne. Good to see you.